And we're back. Welcome to another edition of Tales from the Page, where members of the Pathfinder, nope, not the Pathfinder, where members of the No Direction Network talk, sit down with Paizo staff and follow up on the seminars we just heard. I'm Ryan Costello. I am uh, with No Direction, as is my co-host here. I am Lauren Sig, your Dova Queen. Joining us to talk about Starfinder Adventures is Starfinder developer Jason Cayley. Hello, 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 hello. That's, That's all the hellos I've got for today. It's all, but it's all I've got for today. I'm sorry. <laughs> so anyway, Jason, it just kind of occurred to me. Hi, hello, hi, howdy. It's good to see you all. Uh, it's good to talk to you both simultaneously, and I hope all the questions come that way. <laughs> we can't help it. We've tried to devise a system. <laughs> there are robots and mermaids involved. Oh, well, I'd love to tell me more <laughs> about robots and mermaids. No, you tell us about Starfinder stuff. That's the first question. Tell us about Starfinder Tell stuff, us, Oh, well, Starfinder stuff. The stuff of Starfinder is vast and manifold. Where do you want to start? Well, it occurs to me that you are now the longest tenured member of the Starfinder team. So I'm just curious what it's looked like from your point of view to be there from basically the inception all the way till now and how Starfinder has changed specifically in tone. My plan to get every, nearly every member of the Starfinder crew uh, to have a first initial of J is working out splendidly. Uh, we are at, uh, basically 100% J at this point, so that's so far so good. Um, and uh, uh, but in terms of like the tone, yeah, um, it's we we you know we we try to keep things at least have a, a bit of a through line, but. For 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 me personally, my uh, probably my tone is always a little a little above the wacky line than maybe other people would would uh, would like. So I, I eventually have to occasionally get a little uh, uh, tamped down. But uh, when I can, uh, you know, we we'll we'll let things will get in there. And a lot of my coworkers are sort of on the same level as me. You know, you'll see. That's why you'll see various strange images and some upcoming uh, hardcovers that are just sort of like, hey, that's oh, that's so cute. That's good. I love it. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, in terms of like, you know, we, we always try to keep, we've got the science and we've got the fantasy and we like to mix them all up together. And sometimes we want to lean one way or the other, but for the most part, you know, Starfinder, Starfinder is the fun gonzo game that everyone wants to play. Was the original yes. intent for it to be the Gonzo cousin of Pathfinder, or did the Gonzo just kind of <sighs> develop naturally? I think it kind of developed. I mean, when you start out with with James Sutter, who is uh, a, a, a kind of a name, the king of the name drops. He will write uh, when he'll write down some 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 stuff. You know, as he wrote all the stuff in Distant Worlds Pathfinder, you'll read that and you'll be like, I'll just talk about like, jerk, you know the the. the I can't think of anything specific, but you know, like, you know, lava blooded giraffes, right? And I'll just sort of like throw that in there and not like worry about whether or not that that is means anything yet. And, and then we'll always <laughs> just sort of occasionally just grabbing these threads that he's left behind uh, to, to pull on them. And then we, we're also doing the exact same thing while at the same time, just putting in things like let's just make up a name of a monster and throw it in this list of other monsters and then eventually come back to it like you know we're talking about the uh uh uh, uh, uh the shidari confederacy uh is got sort of like you know from the Dralix, which we know because they're in the archive but then also the screls who are have tentacles and balrods who are barrel chested automatons blah 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 you know like you're like whoa okay we need to like 
every once in a while I need to like read through everything once again and grab all the bits that we haven't picked up and use them because that's just leaving toys in the chest and you got to bring the toys out and you got to play with them. Um, but in, in general, uh, I think we, it's, it's science fantasy. It, it, it can't not be a little gonzo. I, you know, I think it could not be a little gonzo if you were forced well, to. Yeah, but not if, that if, I'm faulting if, you for going gonzo. If you've got, I mean, starting from the place of fantasy, which has, you know, you know, uh, owl bears, right? Starting with a thing that like makes no sense there and then taking that into space, it's going to kind of ramp it up a little bit. We can do anything we want. <laughs> it's a force and multiplier. We generally do. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. It's a force multiplier. So uh, it, it uh, being that like Farscape is one of my bigger influences for for how I think of Starfinder, things will get a little weird. So when you're dreamcasting NPCs, how many of them are Muppets? 50% at least. <laughs> at least. I mean, you, can you imagine Jim Henson making Skittermanders? Like the Jim Henson Company, right? Making Skittermanders live action. Oh, my, my heart would explode. I know I really want that. Yeah. I can yeah. see it on Netflix. And get canceled after one season, right? Yes. No, Netflix yeah, dedicates yeah. to three seasons. Not 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 for anything involving Muppets. No, they canceled fair. the Dark Crystal thing, which was so no, good. I didn't realize. Yeah. yeah and we got two cool. seasons of Happy. Was Happy Muppet was really? That again? I thought it was animated. It had the quick tangent, Lauren. Just quickly summarize Happy. <laughs> yeah, okay, it, it, it's it's got a flying unicorn. I mean, you oh, know, that, it's not yeah, made out yeah, of yeah, no but it's basically about. a Muppet. You know, it's like a yeah, computer-generated yeah. Muppet. Yeah. Yeah. I, so back to Starfinder, back Jason. To Starfinder. Now that you've got this tone, you've got all these influences of where Starfinder could go. Now it's time to start designing some adventures. So. Right. You've got like a blank slate. So what do you do? What do you do when you know you've got an adventure to add to the schedule? Um, uh, we'd look at the big list, uh, uh, whether that be APs or adventure lists. And sometimes the AP adventures can be, oh, we can make that a complete module now that we're doing modules. Um, so we take that and we go, well, what's interesting? What haven't we done yet much of? What's, uh, what, do we, you know, what do we most want to do? Um, and we grab a couple of those. Uh, often there is a sort of a pitch session where we throw some ideas around uh, with one another and everyone's like, no, I really like that. Or sometimes someone will just sort of come with a pitch and be like, oh, I've been thinking about this thing. And so we'll oh, take that and someone will take that and, and flesh it out and, and, and make it to a point where like, this is how it, this is how we all think it should work. Um, and, and, and in that is the part where things uh, will often get um, uh, uh, un ungonzofied a little bit here and there. <coughs> sometimes they get a little. Sometimes they get a little more gonzofied, right? Uh, it was a, uh, <laughs> a, a back tongue back. Oh, I can't say that because that's a huge spoiler um, for Aww. the threefold conspiracy. But anyway, there was a part where the, we were talking about the threefold conspiracy, which we knew we wanted to have about like grays and reptoids and all the sort of X Filesy kind of stuff. And uh, we talked about, well, this first volume should be this, that. And I was like, well, what about at the end of the first volume, this thing happened, which I thought was going to be roundly, but like, that's too much. And uh, Chris Sims and, and Rob McCurry at the time were like, yeah, we're doing that. I'm like, whoa, okay. Um, so uh, <laughs> if you've played Threefold Conspiracy and have gotten through the first volume, you'll know what I'm talking about. And, uh, and yeah, that's the kind of thing that we like to every once in a while sort of really kind of throw in. 
Um, but uh, once we sort of have uh, the idea, you know, then comes the outlining phase where we sort of like sketch out how you get from point A to point B. Say you want to have a, uh, a, a adventure like Junker's Delight, which starts off being like, you know, we want to explore the junk that's on Akaton, right? So like, oh, where do you, how do you, where do you go from there? Um, it's a bunch of crashed starships. So probably maybe one of these starships has some kind of weird tech on it that no one's ever found, even though it's been scavenged over and over again. Maybe for some reason it's been protected. Um, and you, uh, I saw it's like, oh, we'll have an NPC that is basically kind of like a junk archaeologist uh, who's like, oh, I think I know about this thing. Uh, and uh, as, uh, they start exploring it, and maybe they found out that, oh, because these space goblins went in and accidentally turned the switches on, it started up a force field, and now no one can get in. Uh, and then so that is the problem that the PCs then need to solve and come to a conclusion. And then you go like, oh, what do they face along the way? Well, space goblins will probably be a problem. What else is on Akaton? The Keshtis are on Akaton. Uh, uh, weird uh, uh, things uh, called Kefax, which are basically big roaches. They're on, they're on Akaton. They're low level. They're going to do that good stuff. We can do uh, you know, robots and uh, uh, make, make new stuff up. One of the other creatures, uh, 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 this is a it's a bit of a scoop. One of the creatures in uh, Junker's Delight that's new and, and it's introduced is called a Faster Toad, uh, <laughs> which is essentially a, a Fasteron being the sort of weird mineral jet fuel that uh, uh, that Akaton was known for before the dr the drift boom uh, has sort of like it's now living. It lives in puddles of this rocket fuel and so and slash crystal. So it's got a big weird crystal growing on its back, uh, and it you know it it's it's a weird animal so what you can do with starfighter be like hey look evolution can get weird because we throw in magic right Ooh, that was a lot what else we want to know <laughs> i'm sorry well, if, since I we're talk, on if i Delight, talking feel... yeah you were the author of dunker's delight so that's that's mm -hmm. fun we'll get some cool insight into that this is uh, for whatever reason uh, on top of all the other modules that are coming out for starfinder this is one that really has my attention it might be that it makes me think of the transformers movie and the junkie on planet with dare to be stupid playing by weird al uh oh you seem surprised by that is that the first time people have made that connection that is so that is and i'm sad that i didn't listen and watch that scene i'll 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 be perfectly honest that the the title of this adventure is not quite a reference to, but for some reason, as I was right, uh, looking at the outline for this, I was thinking about Rapper's Delight. So I just wrote Junker's Delight as sort of a placeholder title, and that got through. And this is going to be the story of the of the next, last hour and a half, I guess, is me saying, like, I didn't think this title would work, or I didn't think this thing would work, but everyone was like, yeah, that's cool. I'm like, oh, right, fair enough. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was it was not something I thought of, and now I feel like I should have gone back and watched that part of Transformers. <laughs> To, to really get into it. You could have recreated the scene where the motorcycle guys keep switching who's riding, but it's not motorcycles, it's just goblins. Yeah, there's um, the, uh, the, I don't want to, again, I don't want to spoil too much about the, oh. what happens sort of end. There is this sort of, it's not, it's not, uh, oh, hey, spoilers for, for, uh, for uh, Junker's Delight, everyone. The, the end of the part uh, where the PCs have gotten into the starship, which has the tech, they get the tech, but they also find out that gangsters from this small junk town have come in or are, are, are approaching them. And so the PCs can gra get to scavenge a bunch of junk and set up a couple Home Alone style traps 
inside the starship as the gangsters are coming in to get them they get beat up and then they have the fight so that that whole bit is a bit of a, a you know it is a little weirdly home alone inspired uh, uh but it, it it sort of reinforces what's going on in this junkyard is that people are scavenging for stuff and making the best of it right there's a lot of like uh so when you talk with the 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 uh, uh extra there are new weapons that are introduced in the back like a a trash cannon which you just just throw <laughs> stuff into it sorry a trash bazooka um where you just stuff it oh in the trash, trash cannon trash cannon, trash cannon like a that. trash can cannon where ryan where were you oh. six months ago <laughs> um, jason we need to talk more often i'm sorry we do need to talk more often <laughs> um that's a good point um and uh, uh the other thing is a, a a melee weapon made out of a garbage disposal blade um, and then there's a whole bunch of like new spells because we have these junk spells in the core rulebook, uh, uh, junk bot spells for ones. And then we have junk sword and junk armor and pack one. So we had all these spells that use junk literally. And we we have to define what that is in, in there. It is one bulk of inert inert electronic devices basically, right? So once you get that, you can cast a whole bunch of spells on it. So we decided, well, I, I, let me throw in a couple more spells like a junk hut and uh, some. Uh, there's like maybe a weird. Uh, other one, um, uh, but also sort of tie that into a, a, an archetype. So this module introduces a new archetype for for players who are new to the game and like get to second level, you know, after the first part of the adventure, and want to maybe take this archetype. Maybe they're a spellcaster who's already been thinking about these junk spells, and it fits in pretty tightly to to, to the themes of the adventure. Where was I? Where, where did we start this question from? I've gotten lost. Well, no, That's you're actually you're yeah. at- you're actually reading my mind here. You're a little bit in the future. Oh, I enough. was wanting to ask you what we had for players who just really want to focus on being a junkyard inventor. And it sounds like you've got archetype. You've got even more new spells. Yeah, there's some. Yeah, a couple. Well, what we had to do, as I, I mentioned earlier, is that uh, for Junkers Delight, it is a book. It is a book that you only need the core rule book to play. And this is the big selling point, I think, of this one, uh, is that you don't need an alien archive. You, uh, if you're a beginner players, granted, if, you, if, you're an old, if you're an old hand at Starfinder and you want to start at level one and you've got character operations manual and you've got, you know, all the other, uh, all the other stuff that's coming out, uh, you can certainly do that, right? It's not going to hurt you. But as a new GM uh, who's new to Starfinder and you go into the store, you can buy two things. The core rule book, this module, you're good to go. Uh, and then you just need to get a bunch of people to play with you. Uh, that we can't help you with yet. Soon, we're working on uh, autonomous player robots. Uh, that's the next. That's the, that's the big spoiler for Starfinder. We're we're getting into robotics. <laughs> what am I doing? Um. So uh, uh, yeah. So we had to reprint a couple of those sort of spells that I mentioned, like junk sword and junk armor. We re- reprinted the fabricate scrap, which I think is in character operation manual, which is a cantrip that you make one bulk of junk, <laughs> so that you can cast a spell on that one bulk of junk. Uh, and then if you take the archetype, you basically get that cantrip for free and, and stuff like that. So um, uh, uh, I say cantrip, I, obviously that doesn't mean anything in Starfinder, but you know what I mean, a zero level spell. Uh, so yeah, uh, it was a, a, just fun to work on. There's a there's some uh, uh, NPCs that you meet uh, in the junkyard, a, a sort of an odd couple of uh, Space Goblin and Akeshti who are like, oh, our, our two people are fighting each other and we don't want that anymore. Maybe these, maybe these people can help us. And they send you on a scavenger hunt through the junkyard, right? To pick up a bunch of stuff. So you can get inside the spaceship and find the thing that you've been sent to find. Um, there's some hilarious art of the space goblin who is one, and again, uh, it's fun to write goblins and skittermanders. Let's just, let's all just be clear about that. We all, 
at least me personally, I love to write NPC goblins and skittermanders. You are you brought up all of the stuff that's in the back matter of Junker's Delight, and I think that's something that really needs to be highlighted. That Starfinder has a lot of adventures coming out, and each of those adventures has content in the back that is uh, accessible to players and can really add to the to your arsenal of options. Yeah, I mean that's the intent is that as as we uh, uh, don't have uh, at least the books, the hardcover books we have aren't going to be as 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 big as say a Pathfinder hardcover book. Um, we want to have make sure that they there's player content sort of seeded everywhere, so that we want you know people to think about that we're we are thinking about player stuff as we as we move on. It's not just adventures. It's not just going to be lore or, or setting material, right? We're going to try to tie a little something to to, to everything. Lava being in chat just said, waiting for the announcement that there's a canonical <laughs> plane of junk somewhere. It's probably like Axis's basement, right? <laughs> uh, yeah it's, it's probably a subplane of axis that's just where all the robots and axiomites and inevitables go to uh to when they break down well speaking of seeding kind of player stuff throughout a lot of these adventures let's bring us to one of our next points can you tell us a little bit more about liberation of locust one oh Yes, we can talk a little bit about that. Um, that is the ne- that that is going to be a, a, a module, the module, the second module, basically in our line. Um, uh, our our good friend Jake Tondro developed that, and our friend our old old adventure developer Chris Sims uh, wrote it. And it is uh, sort of to uh, again kind of pick up on newer players a little bit. If you play through Junkers Delight, uh, and you can start uh, Liberation of Locust One right after that, but it. It uh, opens up the the GM's toolbox a little bit more here. For as as you've gotten the practice of running through Junkers Delight, you can keep, pick up Liberation of Locus One and think about, oh, okay, now look, this is going to be a little. This is actually going to this one is going to include some Starship combat. This is going to be a little bit of uh, the middle part is maybe a little more sandboxy. You can do these missions in any order, right? Uh, but it's essentially about a, a, a call from help from a uh, a research station in a uh, uh strange system where they're studying the star there uh, known as they called it the locus uh, that uh, gives off some odd energies uh but uh, they've been having some trouble with some space pirates uh so they send out a call for help and when you get there you find out that someone else has also answered the call for help and is a little uh less forgiving uh than you might be uh a little less regimented a little sorry a little more regimented a little more uh aslanti let's say, than your players might be. And so it becomes a sort of uh, push and pull. You, you, get, you get this sort of, uh, Locus One is the name of the research station. So you get this sort of like Deep Space Nine kind of like central hub area uh, where you come to come and go from, pick up your missions and whatnot, and then make friends on that. But also as you find out that the Islanti are coming in to try to take over as well uh, and uh, fight back against them. There's one word in the product description that really stands out to me, and that's Xenodruids. Yeah. Tell oh, me yeah, about Xenodruids. the Xenodruids. Xenodruids have been part of Starfinder uh, lore since the since the beginning. Um, they are basically sort of our, our uh, you know, uh, when you when you when you start thinking about space, you don't necessarily think about plants and 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 whatnot a lot, right? Because they can't live in space. Those plants they need that oxygen. Oh, sorry, they need that carbon dioxide and give away that oxygen, but neither of that is in space. Um, uh, but they are they're kind of like, have either of you read Saga, by the way? The <laughs> comic? Yeah. 
The comic book, yeah. So you know that 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 one starship is a tree, right? Yes. Right. So that's the sort of idea what the Xenodroids are all about. They're like, well, let's make all of our starships out of trees. Uh, we want to make sure that people are, you know, that we're expanding wildly throughout the the, the galaxy here, right? Let's make sure that uh, these people who are doing that aren't uh, irreparably harming the uh, the ecosystem of every planet they come across. So they they roam <laughs> the the system, basically going like, okay, well now you're polluting far too much over here. Get, cut it out, or like, hey, that's a real rare tree that exists nowhere else in the universe. You should probably not chop it down. Um, it, uh, yeah, they're 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 space hippies. Uh, basically. So it's a level four adventure. What was the reason for like, is does that fill a gap or is it just, this feels like it should be a level four adventure? Well, the, the Junker's Delight takes you to level four. So, uh, so we, so we wanted to pick up so you could just have a nice continuation if you wanted to, right? We, we, we say, you know, we make, we started making these modules for the, for the people who didn't want to play through three, six volume adventure pass, but also sometimes people like, uh, yeah, people like me, basically, who like don't necessarily who do this enough, I guess, uh, for a living, who don't want to take the free time to write, do it as well, uh, need you know. Oh, I want to take my you know. I've had such a fun time playing up to level four with the Junkers Delight, and do I make up my own adventures? Yeah, you could, you certainly could, and you sh and you should if you really want to. But also, if you feel like you don't have the time to do that, you can just grab another one of our modules, right? Because uh, when you're fourth level, you don't necessarily easily slot into any of our APs. Uh, yeah, that's about right. That's about true. Um, uh, or, and other things. But you, not that they say you couldn't try to do that, but uh, or you could grab some society adventures that do sort of uh, take place around level four. Um, but again, it's just sort of a nice so we could you could have a nice continuation if you wanted to. So my Junko Master could show up and be like, Zeno Druids, yeah. this garbage man yeah. is here to help. <laughs> exactly. Fear not, space hippies. I've got a bunch of trash. Uh, I noticed I that like in the, the seminar. Oh, go ahead, uh, Lauren. I feel like the space hippies would really appreciate your junk mancer with all their recycling. Exactly. You, yeah, that stuff doesn't go to waste. You use it. You turn it into a sword or an armor or a robot. Cannon that you fire garbage at someone and just leave the garbage lying there. Well, it doesn't mean that's in their bodies at that point. And. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, in the seminar, you were talking about how you were in the middle of writing Junker's Delight when you first saw the cover. And I know that Paizo mm -hmm. now has in-house artists that are working on pieces even before the, mm -hmm. you know, the rules that go with those pieces are there. So I'm just curious how that's changed your creative process. Um, it, it lets us think about these. In a way, it gets you, uh, when you're lucky enough to be there to, to see the cover, like some of our authors aren't necessarily going to see the cover early if we get it done early because they're out of house. But in-house, when you, when you get a little glimpse of the sketch, um, it does really kind of give you that sort of nice creative boost uh, to, to uh, make it over the finish line of a very long project. To be like, oh man, yeah, this is going to look really good. And uh, I, not that I don't trust that it's going to look good when I'm writing it, but it's just, it, it, when you can see something visually uh, uh, in front of you, you can really think, oh, okay, but well now, now I gotta, I gotta maybe step it up a notch so I can match how cool this art is. Um, and uh, we've, you know, some of the other, some of the in-house uh, uh, artists that we've been sort of using to, to, do, do sort of concept work. Um, for instance, we uh, uh, Kent Hamilton was uh, we he when he came in. One of the first projects we put him on was concepting 
the vi- the visualization of the Civ race, which was in the upcoming, you know, which then was still upcoming Devastation Arc Adventure Path. And so Rob McCreary and I sort of sat down and be like, um, how do we want these things to look? Uh, let's just throw a bunch of weird uh, things. Well, yes, tentacles and shells and weird scorpion neck. And uh, uh, and then we sort of gave that to, to someone, in, uh, to Kent, and he, uh, he, he managed to sort of do something that's just so terrific. And these, these guys look so... Ugh, so terrible and creepy. Uh, these are, yeah, you can look at them and look like, oh yeah, that's an evil race, right? That that is a, a species that is that is up to no good uh, with their with their tentacles and little mouth little thingies. What are they called? Mandibles. Little, man, little mouth mandibles. Yes, mandibles. So yeah, um, it, it it made me go, and then you can show that to authors and, and other uh, artists to be like, yeah, this is what this is the kind of vibe we're going for with this particular adventure path. Or adventure. Or Show me where in the picture the octopus hurt you. Oh man, well, it's all over. I love that. I love that. It has tentacles. Ergo, it is evil and up to no good. Well, the, you should see these tentacles. They're actually they're weirdly more <laughs> like if you look at these the these sieve, they're actually more like starfish legs than they are fully full tentacles. Yeah. See. See what? Uh, you what know what, uh, Lauren. We took we took a lot of uh, we took a lot of um, aquatic uh, uh, life and just kind of mushed it together for for the sieve, right? We were like, oh well, let's talk about uh, you know blue shelled crabs and the, these starfish things, right? Uh, uh, the only thing that wasn't really aquatic uh, is that um, I found a picture, uh, uh, a, like a super zoomed in picture of a dust mite larvae, I think, of the face of that. I'm like, that's an alien. Uh, let's make that an alien. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we just sort of like let this face, please, and but yeah, uh, it came out so good. Um, th- yeah, <laughs> and it's it's sometimes uh, that we don't get to show off this concept art as as early as we'd like to, or at all. Sometimes uh, is like, oh, oh, I just want to show everyone everything. It's actually a good time to plug that tomorrow Kent will be uh, running a seminar in which. The uh, uh, he designed a monster based on suggestions from uh, from the Paizo yeah. blog, and then uh, the the people that are live in the Twitch audience for tomorrow's seminar will be able to see it. I'm sorry, I'm just trying to track down tomorrow's schedule so that I can plug the actual time. So uh, in the meantime, why don't you talk about other creepy things that when you saw zoomed in really close, you were like, "That's an alien." We could also talk about Wait. what everybody wants to hear. Kingmaker in space. We will move on to that. I just want to get the proper plug out first. <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about that. Um, again, you know, it's uh, as as we know that there's a very popular Pathfinder Adventure Path, and we know that once, like I don't know, Starfinder in its first few months, people are like Kingmaker in space, maybe, um, because you know it's it's a thing that, that people want to have their sandbox adventures, and people want to create a basically a planet or or what have you, and and uh, not sort of create a planet, but get on a planet and, and and put their mark on it, right? It is it is a uh, a staple of like sci-fi exploration is we go to other planets and we put a bunch of buildings down and we try to live there. Um, uh, uh, you know, uh, sometimes you're getting the, Ooh, hello dog. Um, we get, um, you know, some, some, in some places like it, 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 for like, um, like the expanse, right. You know, it's very much very gritty and very based in science where you're still living in space stations and you've got to worry about zero gravity and you get uh, all the way up to Star Trek, which is 
all got all that kind of going on right already right there's there, everything's already advanced and people are living on spaceships and other places and my dog is going crazy sorry about that um but the we're all the, excited the, about this adventure path he's so excited about it uh he's not coming over here um that uh we didn't have that sort of in between ish kind of like uh we touched on we touched on it a little bit at the beginning of against the Eon throne where there was a oh buddy um there's a, a colony that uh that you need to rescue from the Atlante basically but that's already there and your pc's coming in from the outside we haven't done the all right pcs here's you know x number of credits or whatever right and, and go and start building you know here here a bunch of prefab uh, uh buildings made out of that look like uh shipping containers uh you get to land here go crazy um so that's what you know we started with that and and uh has mentioned that we just had to have the right story for it. we had to have you know the the galaxy exploration manual exploration stuff already in place for the most part uh before we could get onto how that works in starfinder because it's all you know it's going to be different than it is in pathfinder um and then we just had to come up with the the idea of like well you know this we don't want to have a colonization adventure what we want to have is a and we had to come up with like all like how what are the words we, we want to avoid the word colony kind of we kind of want to avoid the word colonist right um so this planet uh which is discovered by a joint uh long distance sort of like scanning of the galaxy uh working of pack worlds and vescarium scientists working together finds this system that uh just got a bunch of planets on it uh, one of them is like really ripe for for having people living on it it's got all the good biomes on it it's got just a right distance away from the sun it's got water it's got breathable air for you know most uh, uh living species and uh, most importantly no one else is on it it's just this like basically untouched piece of land uh and we wanted to make sure that that was clear from the beginning uh that uh, you're going there to 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 make your mark on a a, a clean slate but it's not exactly as clean of a slate as you might think uh, once you get there. There, you, there. You find out that there's a reason why no one else is living on this planet when you get there. Uh, that comes a little later on. At the beginning, you've got to worry about mole beetles and lynxicutes and all sorts of uh, living plants. Uh, what are they? What are they? Uh, harpy, not harpy jasmine. Yeah, that, that is one of the things that exists in Starfinder, but that uh, that doesn't come in the first volume. But... Um, Oh, jilt vines, that's what they're called. Um, and uh, all this sort of evil, not evil, malicious flora and fauna that's in your way. And, and we wanted to also make sure in this, as you go through, there are, there are, there are solutions that aren't just beat the snot out of something and, and kill, kill, kill animals and kill plants, right? Uh, there, there's a, you know, oh, as you're exploring, you find out there's maybe this, uh, this uh, group of animals that's uh, roaming around that might be dangerous. So if you can convince them to, Maybe get your Xenodroid friends and convince them to uh, move some stuff along the way. You know, move them, move them out to a place, or you know, open up a nature preserve so they can live in harmony with the thing. The um, one of the things that is uh, exciting, I think, about uh, Horizons of the Vast, besides all of this, is that uh, uh, the what we're calling the Charter Development System, which is kind of uh, the correlation to the, the you know the the Kingmaker Kingdom building system. That's another thing we wanted to get away from kingdoms and and that sort of you know that's a bit of uh, fantasy language right we wanted to get on to sort of more more egalitarian and sci-fi language so we came up with charter development and when you create your charter 
uh, at the beginning, you know, as the PCs, as you're making this, you get to have some choices as to the starting stats of your charter. Well, you know, as, are you going to be there for economy? Are you going to be thinking more about your technology or that sort of thing? Um, and then you pick a, a patron. And so your patron is basically the, the corporation or large organization that helped fund your initial descent onto the planet and who you're basically kind of like uh, sending funds back to every once in a while. And you can go from basically working for Abadar Corps to working for the Starfinder Society. I say working for, it's not quite the right, but you know, basically being funded by Abadar Corps, Starfinder Society, uh, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Um, uh, 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 and, and, and one of them is actually the Xena Wardens, Ryan. So you can be like, uh, yeah, we're here to, to basically be, you know, and work on the most integrated with nature that exists uh, settlement whatsoever. Um, so there's a bunch of choice. There's a few of those choices, and that sort of affects the game, the 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 story. And that became a you know that's a challenge to do because that is a big choice that sort of affects the how the composition of your group is, right? Uh, maybe that's sort of like how you're playing it. So each of these encounters that we give you are sort of neutral towards all of that in a lot of ways. Um, and whether or not you know, hey, if the Starfinder decided, if you're the group that works for the Starfinder Society, the group that could have been you that worked for the Avatar Corp is there. They're just on the other side of the planet. Huh. That's a lot. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm, I, again, I'm sorry I talk so much. No, it, it is an interview with you. What yes, do you think I'm the talking. purpose is? <laughs> As you're supposed to. <laughs> Fair enough. I just feel like I ramble so now, when I when I'm just let loose. That was not That's rambling. That's all for. good stuff. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, getting back to more good stuff. So the charter development, there's obviously the comparison to Kingmaker, but mechanically, yeah. how similar is it to any of the kingdom building systems that we might be familiar with? Um, there's some. There's I, I definitely took inspiration from what James Jacobs uh, wrote in the original Kingmaker, and then what he was doing in the second edition stuff, because I was able to get a sneak peek at that. Um, and so I kind of, there's some of the, as the, as you, as you're creating your character, it, you know, like you say, there's stats, there's, that has a kind of a, uh, a two E, uh, um, uh, character creation style to, in a lot of ways, right? You have X number of, I think it's like five stats, you know, they all started zero or whatever. And then when you pick this, it's a plus one of this, and then you get like four free plus ones that you get to butter around. Right. And so it sort of works a lot like the two E character creation. Uh, so that that'll be a little familiar, and then when when the 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 uh, the, the king the 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 development starts happening every month, basically, uh, uh, you get some income, and that is a random roll that you might get, you know, uh, based on what you've got, uh, you know, if you've built lumber mills or mines or or farmlands or what have you, right? And then you'll from there be able to spend that income on projects, which are like building a you know a seat of government in your in your original settlement, starting a second settlement that's far enough away from your first settlement, starting a, uh, a, a program that is essentially um, your your charter-wide um, internet infrastructure, right? Eventually, you'll get up to that. And as you're doing that, those will affect your your charter's stats. Um, so, you know, building a library gets you plus one accord, for instance, and you may, but you need three accord to build on the restaurant district or whatever, right? So um, uh, eventually, um, you'll you'll be 
looking to go, what do we really want? What's going to help us with our uh, getting more RP you know, resource units to, to, to spend on this other thing that we really want. So it becomes a push and pull. And that, 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 and maybe as you go out, as you're exploring everything, you might find that, uh, oh, this particular piece of this hex, for instance, is really good for putting a, a farm on. So if you do that, you don't have to spend any resource units or you rescue someone's and they're like from another charter because they got into a bunch of trouble. And then they, they'll like, thanks, here's five resource units on the house. So, so, so the adventure, feeds into the, the the subsystem but you can take that subsystem and use it on your own to play your own adventures for you know as long as you know your gm doesn't mind making a hex map of an entire planet well i mean the galaxy exploration manual is kind of the perfect companion for the gm that wants to make their own their own planet for this game for this adventure path 100 there's yeah uh, it also I goes back to there was a lot, lot about chatter in chat about uh making a junk planet but I believe they were, they were talking about using the, the summon junk spell to create their planet themselves in-game. Oh, that would take forever. If you, every, just, just a single, a single zero-level spell to create one bulk of junk. Just like, bleh, bleh. And they, they fill up well, 12 miles of single hex. <laughs> if you got, yes, if you had an army of Junkomancers, then you could probably do it. Imagine Avatar putting together. this project together. <laughs> the Avatar Core doesn't want junk strewn everywhere. They like Avatar Core is like like the apple of of they 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 like everything to be sort of neat and clean and work nice. They wouldn't want is an there a entire new free planet that nobody's claimed. Oh, I see what you're saying. Make a I see. I thought you were covering a planet, an existing planet with junk. You were just sort of starting and making a tiny ball of junk. That would take even longer. Oh my gosh, this is a mass. And then you've got to make sure that the the interior turns into a molten core. Otherwise, the planet isn't heated and it's all life on it. No life will be able to exist on it. I think start if, with uh, radioactive junk. Oh boy, oh boy. Um, I think if Avatar wanted to create a planet from scratch, it the uh, I mean, then you're getting into a whole Magrathea situation at that point, uh, and they would it would all be sort of it would be like an IKEA planet where you like you're just sort of snapping together <laughs> continents and fjords and stuff. Yeah. Well, speaking of of the GEM, the Galaxy Exploration Manual, we now have mm -hmm. all of these different options for building new and unique worlds, and it's never been easier to create a hellscape to throw your players on. What is the <laughs> worst place you could possibly make to put your players on using all of these new options? Um, uh, you want to probably do, like, a t obviously a toxic, acidic atmosphere. To start with that, right? Because if you can't walk around without dying uh, or a threat of death, and then you probably want to uh, crank the temperature way up uh to be you know uncomfortably hot uh crevices and rocks and mountains just difficult to walk around the uh, landscape and terrain uh and of course the, impossible to use vehicles on it because it's all crazy rocky uh yeah and then throw some uh, um i don't know insubstantial ghosts and other nonsense in there that they, that would just be uh, just terrible <laughs> now fix it players I'm, yeah now go get yeah, that yeah <laughs> go explore i guess why do they do they had to have a reason but then they have then you've got to you do that you make the hell planet right that's terrible but then you gotta come up with a reason for for players to not just look at it and go nah 
I'm not going to go to the, <laughs> the, the resort planet two planets over. Thank you very much. Um, so, you know, you put yeah, something. Yeah, go in ahead. Like, oh. What is the reason? Uh, yeah, let's come with reason. The the reason, of course, is that um, uh, uh, near somewhere on this planet, in some <sighs> some God's forsaken cave, there is just a treasure trove of a star metal, right? And that could sell for millions of credits, and you would just be set for life if you could only find it. Hint that that's probably a rumor. It probably isn't true, and you're just sending them on a wild goose chase for because you're an awful GM. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'd say you're term. making yeah, assumptions could... about Lauren as a GM, but she is the one that wanted this hellscape to begin with. <laughs> I do want this hellscape. Uh, yeah, you give them a reason, or the other reason is that uh, all of their, all of your players' families are trapped also on that planet, and they need to be rescued. <laughs> one Maybe of one of families was a star medal we stole along the way. Well, I you know, as a, as a GM, you know your player. What would motivate your players best? Rescuing their family or getting a whole bunch of money? So <laughs> you would know, and that's what you gotta you gotta take that and and, and push that particular. Button. I just I just assumed the planet had a magnetic core, and they don't even get a choice. You got too close to the planet, it sucks you in. Well, well, you know, you gotta get them a reason to get them too close to the planet. Curiosity. Uh, that, I mean it. It it doesn't always skin the cat like you want. Um, distress signal. Wait, bam! Distress always signal. gets there people you wherever you need. Always to go. gets people. There they go. There's, there's your there's your lost family on on the planet sending out their distress signal, or someone who's incredibly rich on the planet sending out a distress signal saying, "Save me, and I'll pay you a bunch of money." Or maybe there's something that ties into my next question for you. Now that mechs okay. are announced. Mm-hmm. How accessible are these to players versus how accessible are they to the GM? You're going to have to uh, work with players and the GMs and players going to work together to figure out what how mechs might be in your campaign. If you're if you're uh, kind of basing your campaign a, a, around the mechs at all, it would be easy, right? You know, like oh, this is a start. We're going to be mechs. You're going to be fighting mech-sized creatures, and uh, every once in a while, though, you'll you'll get out of the cockpit and have you know uh, uh, mech warrior style. Uh, conversations with your fellow pilots or other people who are trying to sabotage you or what have you um if you're bringing mechs into an existing campaign or existing adventure path it's going to be a little trickier uh because the scale can get weird you can't necessarily bring a mech into a derelict starship that it's not built that way uh the corridors are not going to be big enough um uh, so you want to make sure that, like, as if you're a player and you really want a mech, you talk to your GM and be like, "I want to buy, you know, I want to have this mech as part of my character. Am I gonna ever get to use it? <laughs> right? Because you don't want to spend all this character wealth and 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 resources to be have something you don't use. It's like when you you're making a large character or a tiny character, um, you know, uh, and I, is this going to be a, a big detriment to me? And, and if you're if you're having a conversation enough with your GM to to he, that person's not going to be like screwing you over, you know, six adventures down the line and be like, oh no, you'd never, you're you're too big to fit here. So I guess you've got to stay outside. And I guess you sit there and eat chips while everyone else has an adventure. Um, so, um, you know, it, it's gonna it's a slider that's going to vary from 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 table to table. I'm sure I've seen like anime series. On the hell planet. <laughs> yeah, you can use it on the hell planet. Yes. What are you gonna say, I'm Ryan? definitely. I'm sure I've seen uh, animes where the mech 
could not be on the series at all. And yet the series is about the mech. It just shows up, faces something that takes the mech out of commission, but the mech saves the day, and then they go back to their adventure. There's just yeah, the I mean, one mech it, scene per episode. If you're comfortable with that as a group, yeah, the Power Rangers, you do a Voltron style, Power Ranger style thing. If you're comfortable with that as a group, then that that's great. That's your campaign. Is you can do most of it sort of, you know, walking around on your two feet and then like, oh, now we need the mech. Oh, the mech's finally, uh, you know, the GM's like, oh, the mech's finally powered up. You can use it. And then you pull out your sword or do the Voltron one, you know, instead of fighting it for 10 minutes beforehand and then doing the power move. Why don't they do the power move first? Um, <laughs> Opening move, the power move, form Voltron. Opening move, form Voltron. Let's just do it. Uh, so yeah, so yeah. Uh, again, that's what you're going for. And again, that like that might be what ends up being sort of like the mech, the official Star Paizo Starfinder mech adventure might just be the you're a bunch of people and you do a bunch of other stuff, and then you have the big mech fight, and then you go back down and oh, you got to worry about sabotage and your personal relationships and and other sorts of smaller things that the mech can't get into or would be crazy to bring to bear against and like oh, this tax collector is trying to get all my money well get the mech and step on him <laughs> um no we'll be taken to prison um uh but uh but then sort of and then and then oh my god and there's rita repulsa and now you've got a she's made the eyeball monster you know the size of a building they gotta get that mech again and then you do the mech i thought maybe she made the the tax collector the size of a building well i'm fusing him with the eyeball monster yeah that's, maybe it was his that's eyeball. how it generally works it's his eyeball that oh. squished out after you punched him in the face too hard. I don't know where I'm going with that. I'm going to drink water. <laughs> no, I think you got there. There's a couple of comments in chat that really tickled me that I want to highlight. So uh, when we were talking about who is sending you to uh, terraform this planet, Silver Druid suggests it was the, uh, the Laser Sword Lords. <laughs> yes. And it's Savage good. Slackerer. Suggested with Slarty Bartfast. I think that was more when we were talking about the junk planet that we were building ourselves. Sure. No, that was, yeah, that was a that was a that was a call, call back to Magrathia. Uh, yeah, the building. And uh, Froxus eight twenty is suggesting one of the reasons you might have to go to this acid hell swarm planet is to get the hostages from the resort planet that you wanted to go to to begin with. <laughs> yeah, that works. They kidnapped the They're staff. Stolen. They kidnap the staff. Oh, yeah, you can't go to the resort planet until you save the staff. Otherwise, who's going to get you your Close hot towels to and do your massages? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right, we got about 10 minutes left. We can uh, we can talk about whatever you want, Jason. Do you want to keep talking about adventures? Do you want to talk about other stuff? What's on your mind? I got I got oh, one man. I want to get out of you before we run out of time, though, Jason. Sure, yes. And I think you're going like to like it. I think you're going to like it. All right. Oh, watch. Watch. You'll like this. I promise. And it can be short. Band on the run, right? You, you yeah. finally got to get a silly name into in, in published. How many silly yeah. names that are on the drawing room floor? What was one of your favorites? Oh, okay. Um, See, I told uh, you you'd like this one. I have to think of uh, what titles were rejected. I mean, look, look um, we didn't call Attack of the Swarm Swarm Ship Troopers because <laughs> too much, was too much. That was the, that was kind of the working title. Uh, we've got a couple uh, uh, other working titles. There's a, um, in the same vein as sort of in a weird way, I was in a weird headspace thinking about song titles. Uh, I have a, 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 it was a possibility of the, the first one shot being something called Bot Scrap Blitz, which was a riff on Baldwin Blitz. <laughs> Um, because there's a, there's a there's a place in um, 
uh, Absalom station that's called Bot Scrap, which is a it's junkyard. So it was sort of I think that eventually morphed into Junkers Delight. I think I was just coming up with those those titles together for some reason. Um, uh, what else? I mean, you're gonna enjoy re- I'm saying you're gonna enjoy looking through Band of the Run and looking at all the like this encounter is called Should We Stay or Should We Go? And this one is you know the one of the ships you know. Uh, uh, there's a oh, what were they? Not that they weren't. I didn't end up calling them the Diamond Dogs. I always called them something else. Uh, anyway, but there's sort of lots of little uh, hints and, and 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 teases towards like other sorts of actual music stuff. And it's not we we do tend to shy away from like full on Easter eggs like 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 that in general. But this was just so like in you know in encounter titles and sidebar titles, right? We kind of get to be a little silly. You finally get to be silly. I finally, it never happened to me. So uh, here's a here's a fun story, um, hopefully. Uh, 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 <laughs> way and way back in the day, I used to work for a puzzle magazine, surprise. Um, a company that made crossword puzzles and word seeks and stuff like that. Uh, and I used to work for the logic puzzle department. And a lot of, if you don't know, logic puzzle is basically the puzzle where you say like, oh, there are five people, each of them brought a different type of food to the picnic and each of them wore a different color shirt. And then we would give you a bunch of sentences that are true that allow you to logic out which is which. We th- And those came, as we came with, there were one, one on a page and they each had to have a little tiny story to sort of justify the fact that these people were going to a picnic or whatever, right? So, and not like 80 of them per volume of this. We maybe did like <sighs> six of them a year. Um, so we always were coming up with titles. We had to title them too. Every single one. It's like, how many puns do we get in here? How many, what's the longest one we could ever write? What is like, what, a, it, it, everything was a pun <laughs> and a joke and a reference and a thing. And so there was just got to be a point where it's like, um, you know, now what, why, why can't I think of any? at the moment i'm looking up because i think i have volumes i'm going to stand up now and grab a copy of no 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 good <laughs> here we go original logic problems there they are um so i mean th- i mean you'd have a puzzle called vanity fair which is about restoring vanities uh, <laughs> uh right uh, 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 uh here's a here's a weird way that it's called any way the wind blows and it's about someone who dropped their checks and all their it went into the wind oh no uh, uh, yeah exactly uh, i'm really invested in these stories yeah these are I good know, stories right? this is good uh gosh oh, uh, i don't i don't get that one um uh 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 another one uh phantom of the opera that's just not that's just a regular reference um refrigerator <laughs> magnate that's my favorite that's the funniest one nice. that's about it yeah, someone who makes refrigerators. So, you know, that was something I did for about four years. And so it's stuck in my head. It comes into handy working for Paizo because, you know, we we write the things that come on the back, right? You know, that part of the, of the that's always kind of a, a little bit of a joke sometimes. Um, or, or a funny sentence or a reference. So that comes in handy in writing those back cover copy. I kind of want someone to just take all of the logic puzzles you've made and adapt them into Starfinder Adventures. Oh boy, they're all often quite boring because I would be like, "Well, how much do I know about uh, cricket?" And then I do like research on cricket and be like, "Okay, well, at least there's like five different ways of being out in cricket, so I can maybe look at that and scores, and then come up with some stupid British names, and then you know, <laughs> and then 
and then and then call the puzzle, you know, Jiminy's Cricket or something like that. Perfect. That's a good one. I'm writing that down. <laughs> when you make a big comeback to logic puzzles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that we don't publish. That, they, I mean, we uh, that company doesn't really publish them too much anymore because they don't sell too no. well. Apparently, people don't like to they like to use like eighty of them. I mean, it, it, in a way, in a lot of ways, it's like this would take probably ninety two on this one. Um, uh, take someone like a long time to get through a book that's big. Like it takes a while for people to play through Adventure Path, right? When we put out so many of them, right? Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I just noticed that Joe's in the chat and saying that I'm fully off the rails. You got it, Joe. I'm fully off the rails at this point. Uh, this is, oh, is this being recorded for later? This is, when this is over, it's free. No, we're just internet, having right? a private chat. It's just the three of us well, and Joe we'll somehow. Don't worry about it. Good, good, good. Uh, well, uh, that's all from me, I shout guess. Shout-outs, Jason, shout-outs. <laughs> yeah, we got about shout three outs. minutes. So what is it out there that you think people should be paying attention to, uh, whether you're on, like, whether your name's on it or not? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm going to say, uh, I feel weird doing this in the Paizo shirt. Um, I do have a Mutants and Masterminds adventure out there. Oh, cool. Uh, so go check that out. Because uh, that's it was fun. It was you know, me playing the uh, writing adventure about a, a cosmic imp that puts the heroes through uh, old eighties TV shows. Um, so that's fun. Uh, uh, that has my name on it. And uh, of course, uh, by Junker's Delight, when that comes out. Also, you, uh, the Horizons of the Vast. You feel like running that for some there. friends of yours? I, maybe, maybe. I kind of wake a, we want to make a Junkomancer. What is the official name of it? It's not Junkomancer, is it? No, it's 100%. It's either Junkmancer <laughs> or Junkomancer. Uh, I think there was one point where I think it might have been Junkmancer, and then someone said, well, it's Technomancer, so it should be Junkomancer, right? It's not Junknomancer. I know that much. Whatever it is, I want to play it. Whatever it is. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> you know where to find us. You know where to find me. I'm here. I'm always on your Twitch stream. I'm here in this tiny box forever. And where are you going to be for the rest of PaizoCon? Um, yeah, I have an AMA, so feel free to... I'm sure people have questions now. Uh, like, <laughs> what are you on? And where can I get some? Um, so come uh, to the AMA. Uh, check out the puzzle hunt this year. It was our fifth puzzle hunt. Uh, Joe and I and uh, Ron Lundine uh, on the last two uh, have put together a, a fun a bunch of puzzles uh, laid out by Sonia Morris, as always. She's super great. Uh, and how she's always excited to work with this, even though it's not really technically, you know, in that job description. Um, but uh, we put those together and they're fun. So uh, uh, go download that. Uh, there's no prizes here, unfortunately, because we're virtual. Uh, but um, uh, there is a secret puzzle. So if you can find that, you'll hopefully have a good time. Um, and then uh, I will be on, I have Discord duty from 10 to 11 tomorrow and then from 12 to 1. And I might uh, go live and with a video game or do a Sudoku or something. I don't know. We'll find out. Excellent. Well, coming up next, we've got the final seminar of day two, which means that PaizoCon's like half done. This is, Woo. it's flying by. Well, anyway, the final seminar of day two is Secrets of the Packed World. So it's more Starfinder content. It's going live in about yeah. five minutes. So that's 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. And that's not the end of the day at 6 p.m. Uh, Pacific slash 9 p.m. Eastern. The Glass Cannon Podcast will be playing the new Pathfinder one-shot 
dinner at Lion Lodge. So that'll be coming up uh, in about an hour. So that'll be rounding out the day. The next time you will see us, the No Direction crew, it'll be tomorrow morning for another pre-show at 11.45 a.m. Ooh, we'll actually get an a.m. slot. Uh, that's Pacific time. Ooh, it's like, early. I think, 1.45 Eastern time. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, enjoy your PaizoCon 2010. The Discord is still hopping. The seminars are going to be going on for the next couple of hours. And uh, yeah, we will see you tomorrow. So that's it for... The Tales from the Page with Jason Keeley at PaizoCon Online 2021. Thanks for having me, and I'm sorry. 